Whoa, this is the illusion reporting from somewhere on spaceship Earth. Owls fully sleeping in the back. And um, so I've gotten a bunch of like email requests for people wanting to know the, uh, the illusions transition from Hiroshima, Nagasaki to Hamish, Patterson, and then ultimately the illusion. Welcome to The Fall Estate. I am Jesse Peterson. Don't forget that The Fall Estate is on Patreon. Click the little Patreon link in the description to support our work. Thank you all in advance. I have with me a very mama mia hola. This is interesting guy. Hamish Patterson. And Hamish is a YouTuber who focuses on life and addiction recovery. Hamish, thanks for coming. My pleasure to be here. When I first heard the name Hamish, I wondered if you were Jewish. It's actually a Scottish name, but it's a Yiddish word. Oh, yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's good stuff. It means good guy in, in Yiddish, I believe. So did you grow up, were you born and raised in California? I was born in Boston. I, uh, I grew up in California, though. Before I get into your, what you're really about, what year did you move here? Do you remember? I've been in California my, my whole, life. I've left, whole life. I left for a long time in my adulthood and, and lived all over the country, and then I kind of boomeranged back about... 20 years ago. What's your impression of California today? It's a failed state. It's, <laughs> it's a fallen state, literally. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't get it. Are you surprised at, the, at what has happened in California? I think so. I, I, I think I'm pretty surprised. But I, when I lived in the South, I lived in, in the South in, in Charlotte, and then I lived up in the Pocono Mountains outside of New York. And when I, I came back here, I had a def definitely different view of Los Angeles and California. It's a very segregated state. Yeah. Like when I lived on the East Coast, it's very integrated. So right. I, I, that woke me up to it. And it just seems to be a lot of uh, just a lot of false narratives here about how enlightened people are. Yeah. You Amazing. Know? Yeah. I, um, I, I moved here in 1968 from Alabama. Okay. And I never imagined that California can become what it is today, the mess that it is today. Shameful. Yeah. When I walked off the plane in 68, I thought I was walking into paradise. It was so beautiful and clean and opportunities, and I just fell in love with California. I never imagined it would become as it is today. I just didn't think that. I, I, I'm surprised. Like, it's, it's you know, to, to really see what's going on is, is shocking, I mean. The people on the, the sleeping on the streets and people stepping over and yeah. it's, it's alarming. And I, you know, as I, I've been telling a lot of my friends, is if if California was successful, we should be the promised land of progressive politics. The money's here, the people yeah. are here, and it is a, it's an utter disaster. The environment's getting worse, homelessness getting worse, addictions getting worse. Yeah, quality of life is plummeting. Taxes are going up. It's it's why people have been especially white, straight, conservative males are being blamed for everything that's wrong in the country today. And there seems to be an effort to wipe out white, Christian, straight males. Have you noticed anything like that? I mean, not, not towards me personally. I, th I think there's a narrative about that, that that's, that's out there, but I, I haven't experienced it in my own 
life. So when you are out and about today, you're not concerned about, as a white male, being hurt or attacked or anything like that? No. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I'm a skateboarder at my heart, so I'm not like... <laughs> I guess I don't, I don't, I mean, I was up at that, that protest in San Francisco where the, uh, the black kid got socked up by the Antifa guy and we got oh. pretty threatened, but, but again, is energetically speaking, like I don't live in, in fear, yeah. you yeah. know what I mean? Nice. Like I'm, I'm, it's pretty self-determined. So I don't radiate that, like come in, I'm not casting victimhood out there to be. You're the kind of guy that. Uh, you get you get involved with it. You try to bring on a change for the good. You don't just sit back and complain, but you get involved. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty. I try to stay involved. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm surprised that you're married. You don't seem like I watched some of your video last night, and you don't seem like the marriage family type. You seem like a surfer person. Uh, or you don't seem like you're the kind of guy that would settle down with a family. Well, I mean, I think that that's that's the the whole that's the that's the, the, the California way is is put us in a box and we're supposed to follow these norms. And, right. You know, we're we're pretty. Uh, we do our life our own ways. We've been through it all, and you know, I got children and the whole thing. But it doesn't it doesn't take from my my reality of being a surfer and a skater and doing all. I, I mean, my wife's fully supportive of what I do. Right. And, um. You are a YouTuber who focuses on life and addiction. How do you see life? How do I see life? I, I, see, I see life as abundant and graceful and beautiful, but that doesn't negate from the fact that life's full of like pain and misery and destruction. And, but it's, it's my choice what life I want to live in. Like, I've lived on the other side of it. You know, I right. don't, I can't tell you what life is. I can tell you what life isn't. What, what is it? What isn't it? Self-involvement, you know, about me trying to fix everything. Like, I, th I think from when my life changed was realizing that the first person I had to heal was myself. Yeah. You know, I had to stop looking outward for, and blaming and blaming and blaming yeah. and go, okay, I'm at the center. I'm responsible for everything in this in this reality, and, and, and then where do I go from there? And then I, you, I go to God, and once I clean that up, I was like, now I have to do the work out in, in life. And so what brought you to that point in life where you realize you got to take responsibility in you? You need to clean up you. What brought you there? Alcohol. Alcohol and, and drugs and, and isolation. You know, I was, uh, I was sitting up at the top of one of these mountains in the Santa Monica Mountains. I had a, I'm a skateboarder, so I had a property owner giving me an empty pool to kind of caretake and keep the skaters out. And I used to have the 360-degree view of all of it. And I pretty much would wake up every morning and, and wish for mushroom clouds. I was just over all of it. <laughs> I just didn't like people. I was angry. I was frustrated. And it, and then I, I asked God for help, and two two sober dudes showed up in my life the next day in front of a liquor store, and the rest is kind of all on YouTube. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, what what caused you to become an addict? I. I 
as, as a person who's pretty aware about, like, life, I think I struggled with, with what this life is. Very, it can be very painful when you see below the fabric of it. You know, I was, uh, you know, as a kid who grew up very in touch with the land and, and the environment and nature and, and to watch it sort of bulldozed away and all of that, like, I went on that journey of trying to save old-growth trees and getting involved and trying to help people and, and again, out there, out there, trying to fix this madness. And, and when you really understand how powerless you are in that direction, like I had nowhere to go except down. And, I, and then I just went down until like I hit the bottom. How long were you into drugs and alcohol? How long did that last? I mean, I, I, I don't know, in, it's just like, you know, you start, it's, I guess it's a California thing, it's a youthful thing, you start, you know, smoke a little weed here, and you drink kegger, you know, we just do keggers back in the day, and then, <laughs> you know, it just leads to, then you're in the college, and you're doing what you do, and then life sort of, as a renegade, like, as a non-conforming, thought I was a free person, like, that was just the culture I was in, oh, I so see. it wasn't like in or out, it right. was just that's where the train led, and it, it, led, it led to nowhere. Amazing, man. <laughs> Ultimately. You, call your, you are known as the illusion. What does that mean, and, and why are you known as that illusion? That, that came out real early because when you see me on a screen, you're never actually seeing. You're seeing me. Right. You're Jesse. We're, we're right here. I am Hamish. Right. But when you see me on the other side of the screen, I've bounced through satellites and fiber optics and cables. So you're never actually seeing me if you're on the other side of the screen. You're just seeing an illusion of me. And oh, I see. It was an intuitive take on it when I made my first couple videos. Were you surprised uh, that your video would take off in the way that they did? As a person who hit the button and had no idea what YouTube was, yeah, absolutely. And it's been a, it's been a blessing all along. And, and to be here 12 years later is still... Kind of amazing, <laughs> you know? So do you live in reality or an illusion now? I mean, that's a metaphysical question. I mean, is, is, do I, when you look at the electromagnetic spectrum, yeah, all this is, is subject to interpretation. So I live in a reality of understanding the, the boundaries of this lower dimension, if you will. Yeah. So were you always a Christian or you became one once you hit rock bottom and so on, and you, you asked God to help you. Did, at that point, did you become a Christian, or were you always a Christian? I, I would intuitively, God knew what I was before I did. Yeah, I went to, through the exploration. I was always searching for God. I grew up in a house that that wasn't available to me, so I went on the journey, so to speak, and ex read and explored. And I always, at a certain point, I understood that that was where I was at. It wasn't until I got sober that I was actually able to make like a conscious contact with God and, and really turn my life over to Jesus Christ. And so you say you were, you were not raised in that environment? Like your father and mother were not Christians? No, I mean, they're your classic people that left the, the East Coast in the 60s to get away from all that. So I, I grew up in the Santa Cruz Mountains very much. Not, they weren't against it, but they weren't for it. It was very much up to me to figure out, which I think was one of the components that made it sort of difficult through life because I didn't have a spiritual center. I, right. I had to go on this exploration, and, and one of the paths 
in that time of the 80s, 90s, and coming out of the Santa Cruz Mountains was like drugs and alcohol. And I, I did find it in the spirits of, <laughs> of, of alcohol, you know. Yeah, and, absolutely. And it, it, it shifted my perception, but it, it, it definitely was a hollow existence. Um, I was watching one of your videos last night, and you did something that was very interesting. Uh, you cut your hair on camera. Yeah, yeah. And it's it like you cut into a bowl. I'm the, I'm the bowl cut maintenance guy, yeah. yeah. You're the bowl yeah. cut maintenance guy. So what made you decide one day, let me go on camera and cut my hair into a bowl cut? It was sort of a... a the funniest, before you answer, the funniest thing, it was funny. It was, I caught myself watching the whole thing, and I wonder, why am I interested in some guy cutting his hair? But it was interesting the way you did it. What made you do it? It was, it was a res so early YouTube, I'm starting to think I kind of, I get some meetings and some stuff, and it was a different time back then. And I had met with this producer, and he had wanted me to do the show, and he came and I had an idea for the show I wanted to do, and he's like, nah, I want you to be like the surfer guy. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, but no. And so the, the, the haircut was me like, I'm getting rid of this to see what it is without the, 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 the facade of the surfer. So that's me actually just dismantling what was my facade at the time. Oh, I see. Were you high when you were cutting your hair? No, I'm stone cold. That was like, like I'm stone cold sober. Every, every video on YouTube, I'm sober. Oh, you're sober? Be, yeah. Because what was the way you were narr narrating your haircut, you're like, oh, uh, this is, oh no, this is not going to happen here. And, this is not right. I have this mirror so I can look in the back, and it was so interesting. Are you surprised that anyone cared about that? You cutting your hair? It, nobody did. And it was sort of a sleeper, actually. <laughs> oh. Like that actually didn't go viral for like two years after I did it. Like really? I, my, all my stuff went viral in the skateboarding world first. Oh, like I see. My magazine reviews and all of that was so, and then the bowl cut thing sort of swung back around. So oh. I, I never saw it coming. Amazing. It was yeah. very funny. It was very interesting. That was, that was life before I knew what I was doing. So that's the, uh, <laughs> that's the genius of it. Like there was yeah. no zero thought given. It was just a dude sitting, just a lonely, sober guy sitting in his little apartment doing, keeping himself busy. <laughs> Do you believe that human beings are in a fallen state? Dogma-wise, or I think, yeah, I think the proof's everywhere. I think that, that this is an utter failure of humanity, what's going on on this planet. Yeah. Like, it's a disaster. And, and, and yeah, I think, we're, I think we've fallen off the mark completely. Do I think that we're doomed? Absolutely not. And how would you describe the fallen state for those who can't recognize it? I mean, it's a pretty personal... Thing. If, if you don't think that if, if you're sitting in your content life, how would you know? It's I think that that where we're at right now is is you have to take chances in life. Like I, I risked it all to be like a lunatic, alcoholic, book writing artist in my 20s. I risked it all to be a crazy environmentalist up in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> And it led me somewhere. It led me to how I don't want to leave my life. But I risked it all to be a, an addict and alcoholic. Like, I, I threw the, the, the dice on it. I think most people are willing to just be status quo and never find out what they're yeah. about because they're afraid of the darkness and they're afraid of the light.
because you don't get to have the light without the darkness. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And they they want to stay in the nice, comfy status quo of the state, and like I don't think most people are aware of the light. I don't know if they're afraid of it. I just don't think that they're aware of it because you don't hear a lot of talk about it in churches and. Or even if a, a preacher or someone should mention it, it's not in depth where the person can even get an idea that there is a light that would bring them out of the darkness. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I, I think I think that's the problem with. I mean, that's why people don't. That's why they don't encourage people to read anymore. Yeah. I mean, you read. I, I'm a reader. Like you read enough. I mean, you read a day in the life of Ilyan Ilovich, right? When he's in the gulag up there, like that'll really like waken you up to like what what it is this life and the potential pitfalls here. And like, were you? I think right now is like this is the end of the unique experiment in and like human history that we know of, like. You know, the last one was Pax Romana, right? 200 years of peace. Like, these people have squandered their, their status quo-ness on nothingness, you yeah. know? And, and the, the reckoning's coming. I, I just... What, what do you mean by that? We, we've sat by as, as, as a nation and, and slurped up the gravy while the rest of the world is... We've done terrible things around the planet. And I, I'm not anti-military, I'm, but I go, we've done the bidding of the most evil corporations on the planet for the name of like cheap made goods from China and we're wondering why we're falling apart yeah. like we've taken we've gutted the heart of what made us get here and now the bill's coming due and that's that's too bad for the people that can't see it like I don't I'm not I'm not sad for them anymore you're not no I've made peace with what's going on I've Definitely on this thing of like it. This is the time to reconstitute. Out of the grid's done. Like there's no debate anymore. Like so, are you saying it's over for mankind or no? No, I'm a full optimist. I think that human beings have the power to like overcome this thing. But it's yeah. a it's a it's a historical reckoning. The the. The nature of human beings is to be a genocidal lunatic maniac. I, I contain it. Like, I crossed that threshold in the 90s in the, in the old growth forests of the Pacific Northwest, what I was willing to do in the name of the trees. And when I realized that about myself, I, that's what part of the journey I had to go is to, is to heal my own. T- you, don't, you didn't want the untrained me in charge because <laughs> yeah. so, a lot of people were going away. Because of I wanted to save the trees, right? I'm, so you were like a tree hug, hugger at one time. I'm a tree hugger to this day. I just the, the the environmental movement's dead in this country. So, the, no one's talking about the, like regenerative farming. No one's talking about like anything positive, right? Everyone's just lost their minds, from what I can tell. <laughs> so you know what I mean is is I'm growing my own food in my backyard in Westlake. Uh, plant some seeds and see how much food you really need. And, and then you realize you're a truckitarian, that all your food is based upon trucks. Like, yeah. Even if you're a vegan or a vegetarian, like, yeah, that stuff's coming in on trucks. So what are we really about? And I think we've really got to go back to a 1920s mentality of, like, the seasons and, and these skills we do in our house, canning and growing yeah. our own fruits and vegetables. I remember and those good old days. Free, you know, freedom gardens and, yeah. the, and the whole thing. And... and you know, until we get to till we get to cherish our children again, 
Like, I think I'm lucky to have had a child later in life. I yeah. had my child at 45, right? I did all the dirty work. How old are you now? I'm 52. Really? Yeah. White don't crack. What's that? White don't crack. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> White smoke crack. <laughs> but it, it's, it's this thing of, like, I, everything's for my son to have a better future. And putting, like, like putting him in, like, when I knew I was having a kid, I knew that I was never going to put him in indoctrination centers. I was never going to participate in big pharma. I wasn't going to participate in big agriculture with them. Like, I've done, structured my life. So when this time arose that is 2021, like, I left, I left the, the plantation a long time ago. With, and it's all about my son. Like, I've. I have to think like that. I have to think about my my children's children and be right. like, this isn't about me. So yeah, it's it's time to relearn, reinvent the wheel, and and get some skills going. And, and you married a woman who already had a child, so you became a step parent. Mm -hmm. Was it difficult being a step parent? Ah, intense. In what way? It, I mean, I I mean, me and my stepdaughter love each other like. It's an intense dynamic. She's for, like 16 now? She's 16. It's, it's an intense dynamic. Uh, absolutely. Like, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Do you regret doing that? No. Marrying a woman that already have a child? No, not at all. Like, because stepchildren don't want stepparents. They, uh, they want their own parents, or they don't want another person come between the, them and their parents. There, there's a level of that, but I think ultimately, like, this is the way I see it is, is me and my wife, we've always, we've known each other a long time. When I was sitting at the dinner table with my wife and my stepdaughter when we were first living together, and I realized it wasn't about her, it was about my stepdaughter. And it was up to her to make the decision. Like she was either gonna like let it happen or it wasn't gonna happen. Right. Like she's the one who picked me and I picked like on a cosmic metaphysical level. Like we have a totally different journey. And yeah, you could get into all the that ah, you shouldn't have. But then again, I wouldn't have my son, and she wouldn't have her brother, and like it's it's not for me to choose. Amazing. Like it's you know it's God's path for me. Did you have to make any changes in your life to be married, have a family? Um, you know how you say you gave it all up to be free to kind of start doing what you're doing, be a tree hugger and all that. You went all in. Did you have to make any changes to become a settled man, to settle down like that? Yeah, I'd become, you... a, I'd become a man. Like, I'd become a man. Like, yeah. I think men have left, <laughs> left the stage. Like, yeah. Because, yeah. because I, had to honor, I had to honor those words I took before God, for better or for worse. And we've had our worse, let me tell you. And that's when it all counted. It wasn't when it was all like puppy dogs and rainbows. Yeah. It's when it all falls apart and it's a disaster. Can you stand in your honor as a man and work through it because you have, ch it's not, a, once I had a child, like, oh, yeah. it's, it's game over for my own little, like, ah, I don't like <laughs> this. I have to show up and be a man. Uh, speaking of that, I read that you, uh, you lived in Malibu at one time, mm -hmm. Malibu, and then they had that fire up there. Sure. And your home burned down. Yep. And, and then after a while, your wife left you, right? Yes, we were separated. Yeah, yeah. What were those times like for you? Super, and, and how did you endure them? It was super difficult. So there was a moment right after the fire. I had nothing except my truck. My wife, she was out. 
I was standing there with my little boy holding his hands and I was like, all right, God, like, what are we doing now? And God's like, are you ready? And I will give this advice to anyone. I didn't make it about her. Yeah. I spent that time working on me. I go, what is it? What, where have I failed this situation? And I spent the period doing the work on myself to be a father. My primary purpose was to raise my son, not do anything else. And at some point, about five months into it, like, I discovered what forgiveness was. Like, true forgiveness. Not this word that's bandied about because, you know, someone stole my candy bar. Yeah. Like, like, true, deep, metaphysical, loving forgiveness. And it was like the minute I discovered, the minute that happened, the universe, like, cracked open wide and that's when I understood what the vows were for better or for worse and that it's been a blessing like it truly was the best thing that could have ever happened to our family in a weird way really yeah because it was time to show up and and what is true forgiveness are you able to explain it or describe it I would say that most like it's sort of like the amends process in sobriety the first person I had to forgive was me like, I was the one who was culpable in what was the problem that led to this splitting of, of our, our relationship. And the minute I was, like, realized that I was responsible on a, on a huge level, like at least half, bare minimum, if not way more, and I began to do the work on myself and go, what is it about me that, that is this and this, that? And I was like, oh, wow, like, there's my other person there. She's as equal in the thing to me, too, but it was like if I'm the forgiveness I hope to receive, I must give. Yeah. Right. So if yeah. I ever want if God forgave me a, a lunatic drug addict, alcohol failure and gave me a second chance of life. I have to at least try to emulate that to my wife and my children's mother and and, and do the work and go, OK, it's. What am I going to do about this? And how am I going to heal myself to be a better man? And then I, that was like, that's when it, it's like it, it all. Amazing. Yeah. How long were you guys separated? Uh, well, practically like six months. I mean, spiritually, probably a year and a half. Yeah. You know, like it didn't just show up out of the blue. And so you had to endure pain in order to overcome all that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like <laughs> immense pain. Pain. Are you able to describe a little bit of the pain of that, or do you remember? The, the pain, the pain was like, like a deep sorrow at, at failing. I mean, I was sitting in, in this thing. My whole community was burned down. I'm sitting there. I'm looking at my little boy, feeding him food. And I was like, how did I end up here? And how have I failed this human being? That, that, that picked me to be a steward, yeah. that, that came down here from God to, be, to show me the path. What have I done? I, what have I done? It was the, the worst pain imaginable. I mean, I don't want to imagine any, I'm, there's more pain, but like. Yeah. It, so with the pain of the mind or the body or both? All of it. The all heart, of it. body, mind, yeah. all of it, you know. I, I, Most people don't know that they have to endure that pain. When that pain comes, they go and take antidepressant medication, or they get drunk, or they do something to run from that pain. 
they don't know that they'd have to endure that pain in order to overcome. Oh, man, it was, it was a lot, it was sitting in it. Like, that's the greatest gift sobriety's ever given me, is the ability to sit in the pain. Yeah. And know that eventually, if I do the work, if I show up for myself, because God already showed up for me, right? right? If I just show up for myself, God's already there for me, and it will get better. I've had that pain over the years of waking up. I've had that pain so bad I could bear the function. I remember there were days, I lived in Oregon at the time, and I remember there were days when I would leave work, I was thinking, this is it. I'm not going back. It's crazy. And so I would get home, and I would just fall out on the couch. I couldn't move. And I would just say, you know what, God? you allowing this to happen. I don't know what to do about it, so let your will be done. And I would just lay there all evening, and I found myself getting up the next morning going to work. And then after a while, that pain was gone, and I grew in ways that I never imagined. That's, that's what I mean. It's like it was, it's been a gift. I mean, I, yeah, sure is. I had to wake up because my son was, like, yeah. I had to show up and be a dad. Like, I had a friend who had the, a similar experience that chose a different path, and yeah. it's, he's never, it's just a disaster. Yeah. Because he would come over and be like, let's go out and hang out with some girls. I'd be like, no, dude, I, I'm a dad. <laughs> yeah. Like, my priority's not that, it's this. And whatever that is, like, I gotta, I'm on this journey to heal this rift. Because I, I, one of the things I say a lot in my videos is the revolution's at the dinner table. If you, if, if you can't heal your own family, how are you going to heal a country? If, yeah. you're gonna, if you can't bring the rift in your family together, how are you going to get the rift in Sacramento or Washington or or anywhere on this planet. That like, is so true. It man. starts here, yeah. like, like, and it starts with our people and then it moves out. How know? do you describe God? How do you see him personally? The ultimate loving abundance, like limitless love and abundance. Absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. Isn't it like amazing? It's, ama it's amazing. I marvel at it constantly. I know, it's mind blowing. Yeah. It really is mind blowing. Beyond my comprehension. And there, and there are no words to really express the depths of how mind-blowing it is. I find myself limited with words to express what it is to live from that, from the light. I, I, I felt it like last night I felt what it was like I was at this thing and I could feel the tears of the energy, like just the, 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 just the beauty of it all. I was at this homeschooler meeting last night that was beyond powerful. <laughs> and, and I was like, wow, like there's 600 parents here figuring out how to pull their children from public schools. Right. And I was sitting there with my boy and I was like, whoa, we are really, we are leaving, aren't we? Like we're, we are literally like leaving this system Maybe. behind. And I was like in a church with all these parents and I was like, this is so beautiful and this is so loving and these people are all here for their children. Yeah. And I, that was like, there was just this deep, like even right now, it's just very powerful, like how deep the love goes. Uh-huh. Amazing. Do, is your wife on board with, with you now or is she like coming along but kicking and screaming? No, she's on board. But as you know, women have a very different time code, right? For yeah. her, she was always sort of like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. And then it took about a Literally, like, about six weeks ago, she walked in the house and was like, okay, we can go now. Like, because she grew up on the west side of L.A. and in right. and, and that whole world. And she was like, this whole thing was been a journey, but she eventually was like, 
I see it now. Like, we need to go. And I was like, wow, like, (laughs) we can finally get out of here? Because I was ready to leave back in June of the other year when I saw that what was going on with the riots. You know, because I went and infiltrated, like, Black Block and filmed from all this stuff. So I was, like, pretty hands-on last year. I noticed that uh, you used to live in Malibu at one time, and I remember Malibu being a beautiful place. It was, there were times when I have gone up there and had arguments with the school boys and things like mm-hmm. that. But I never imagined Malibu changing in the way that it has changed. A lot of homeless people, uh, things are happening in the schools that I never imagined would happen there. You have had it in with the city councils and things like that, right? You have met up and... Yeah, I've, I've run for, for city council twice. I've, I'm pretty involved. What made you decide to run for city council and all that? I was super involved in, in, the, in the 90s up in Portland, Oregon. I was run, doing all sorts of stuff up there. And I was like, talk is cheap, man. Let me show you how it's done. And <laughs> like, I went down there and because I was making YouTube videos and we wanted to get a skate park built. And I was like, you can sit on the sidelines. Or I'm on a 10 years I've been working on it. We're almost there. I've been down there getting a skate park built. But like, People don't understand when you show up on your thing, you get all this peripheral information <laughs> and you really see how the sausage is made. Yeah. And you begin to understand that, that these, these institutions with our form of government, if you don't show up, you don't have any power, man. Yeah, that's and, right. And, and I'm a stakeholder in the, in the whole thing because I, understand, I understand my Constitution and Bill of Rights. I know what it's, it's about participating. Yeah. And I, and I say it a lot, it's, it's of the people, by the people, for the people. We live in a society that's just for the people. They forgot the first two parts. It's of the people means show up and participate. Yeah. And these school boards and these county issues is like, and they don't. And, and this is why we're here. You know? Do you know if you ever run again for anything? Oh, yeah. Like, I'm, I, like part of me knows that that's very much a potent part of my life where where the plug-in comes again i don't i don't exactly know because the landscape's shifting so much right now yeah that is the two-party system must be crushed whoa this is the illusion reporting from somewhere on spaceship earth after a four-month hiatus i have to go back in because uh, our mayor is pandering to the Chinese, dude. I'm an American, man. I may be a spiritual being and not really part of any of this whole rigmarole, but every now and then, you have to stand up for your fellow citizenry, man. And America is being sold out to the Chinese and the multinational corporations. Why are we pandering to the Chinese? I watched that four-minute interview you did with the Chinese television. That was disgraceful. The city of Malibu is not going to placate to the Chinese, man. I want to know who picked up your ticket there. You talked about how sweet Beijing was and what a big city it was. That was reprehensible what you did on that interview. And I'm glad it's out there on the public record because that is who you were as a mayor. Someone who just bent over to the Chinese and took Malibu with it. No way. Most men today, millennial men uh, especially, and younger men, they don't have that drive to get up and fight and to endure and to deal with life. What would you say to them? 
Wake up, man. Be a man. Be a warrior. It's, it's, there's only two choices in this life, warrior or victim. And, and, and women have a built-in thing to be warriors because they birth children. When you watch a child being born, you're like, all right, dude, like, I got to show up a different way to be a warrior, right? Yeah. And my job as a warrior is to protect the tribe, yeah. is to protect the women and children and not cop out and be like, eh, I can't. When, when if, if, if you don't want death and destruction in your society, you better show up for the peaceful part of this. Like, I've been saying this for a decade. It's like, if you don't show up, it will fall apart, and then you are left. The thin veneer of society will crumble, and we're seeing it. Like, yeah. this, is a, this is apathy's result of apathy across the board. A lot of guys are afraid to stand up because they're afraid of the name-calling, the personal attacks. They're afraid of losing something. I noticed that in the white community around the world, not just in America, they're afraid of the word racism. So they're afraid to get out there and disagree and fight back. What would you say to them? Look in the mirror and figure out what your shadows are. When you look in the mirror and you look at that person staring back at you and you discover what is it that your secrets are, and you go to God with your secrets and you clean up all that stuff because there's nothing that any person can do to me I haven't done to myself yeah. and I'm not afraid of anyone anymore. I, I don't want to die because to prove the point, right. but what I'm saying is there's nothing you, you can say to me because I know who I am now. I spent a lot of time over on that other thing like pretending I don't have my darkness and shadows and I know who I am. So there's nothing you can say to me that's going to throw me off. So go, Go ahead, because I'm not even going to get mad at you. Right. That's your problem. That's your shadow to deal with. That's deep, man. That is so true. Yeah. That's amazing. I tell people all the time now, God doesn't care about your vices anymore. He cares about your heart. Once he gets you past that heart of stone, he would give you love. And all your little vices that you were into, alcohol and drugs and sex, he would take all that stuff away because that's not his issue. His issue is that. He need to create. He want to create love through you, and mm-hmm. get you out there, and, and so you can become the light of the world, the salt of the earth. But most people are hung up on the vices instead of looking at the heart, so that the heart would turn from stone to love. Well, and and there's the, I noticed the next part of that narrative, right? Is once you do on the work, people think that's where the work's done. And and I've been on this right. thing. It's like, what if you what if you get to heaven and God's there, and He's like, okay, you you did all that. But let's look at all the stuff you didn't do. Did you defend those children? Did you stand up for those women and children? Did you defend those single moms who are being forced to have their children vaccinated because they don't have an option but to send their kids to a public school? They don't have the luxury of doing what you did. Did you stand in the crossfire to defend the women and children? Or did you cop out and go, well, I got sober and I healed my, healed my <laughs> darkness and like, okay, now I get to go like drink a bunch of Mountain Dew and mind my own business. No, that's the beginning of the work. Like the work is to constantly show up and keep bettering this, this realm we live in. Amazing. Um, that's amazing, man. That's deep. That is mind-blowing. <laughs> um, oh, I got it. Man, one other thing about sure. your hair, right? Yeah. You, when you did this haircut thing, you, do you still do that or that's behind you now? Oh, no, I got one more left. You got one more left? Yeah, yeah. I got, I'm growing it out so my son can do it. I figure that's full circle. <laughs> I'm going to let my little boy do it. How old is he now? He's six. 
And so you're going to let him cut your hair on video one day? Yeah, yeah, pretty soon here. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be amazing. So you grew up with your father and mother, right? Mm-hmm. And who were you closest to growing up? Probably my mom. Your mother. And why not your father? He was busy being a workaholic. And, I mean, I'm, I'm very close with my father, but, like, he's a very... My friends used to call him the silhouette. <laughs> <laughs> and what did that mean? Like they they would just see a silhouette driving oh. by, like you know, like yeah. he's he's a he's but but he's a he's a, he's a we're very close now. Oh nice. He was he was like a smart guy, so it was always tough for me to round the corner sometimes with that. Are you an only child? Yes. You're an only child. Yeah, it makes it tricky. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What was that like growing up as an only child? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I I think that that it, I I think that it, it, I don't know. You know, I grew, I hung out with a lot of brothers and stuff, but like, I think it led for a lot of introspection and and having to like make my own make my own way. Yeah. Like I'm not dependent upon anybody to like. I trust myself. Right on. You know, I had to learn to trust myself. While growing up, did you wish for a brother or sister at any point? No, I, no. I don't recall any thoughts. Were you like spoiled? That. No, but I wasn't. Not. I, I grew up with the household of of if you want something, you got to show up with with fifty percent of it. You know, when I was able it, to like make my own money and stuff. Right. Oh, if you yeah. want a new surfboard, you got to you got to pay for half of it. Your parents were like that with you. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. They didn't just give you things. No, no. But they didn't, they, they weren't like restrictive either. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they, it was a very positive thing. I'm trying to instill it with my teenager right now. Right on. <laughs> what is their impression, your parents' impression of you today? I think that the, I think there. I would. I don't want to put words in. I think I don't want to use the big P word, proud. But I think I think they totally know that I've I've showed up on the other side as a good man. Right on. You know, they think I'm a, a right wing lunatic, but I'm just a, <laughs> I'm just I'm just a hippie. <laughs> you know? What is a man? What is a man? I think I think a man is willing to face himself first and foremost, so that he can do the betterment of his, his immediate family and his community and not shrivel in, the, in his own shadow and be willing to use his hands and build things and build a better world and show up. Amazing. I want to ask you this. Uh, you talk about the voice inside your head, mm-hmm. and you say that one of the first videos you did on your channel was about the voice inside your head wants to kill you. Mm-hmm. What did you mean by that? So as as an and and alcoholism, right? Like it took me a bit to to realize the self talking mind wasn't who I am. Like it appears to me, me it is me. It knows what I'm thinking, but that wants me isolated, alone, drinking, drugging, being miserable. And it was once I was able to get that separation just enough to observe my thoughts and be like, so if I'm observing my thoughts. <laughs> Who's the dude observing my <laughs> thoughts? And I was like, wow, that talking voice in my head is crazy guy. Yeah. And he will do the worst thing possible for me and literally try to kill, like, like literally, I don't know how I survived. 
That is so amazing. You're absolutely right. A lot of people think that they are the voice in their head, but it's not them. It's like something else made a home in them, and it sounds like them and walk like them, but it's not really them, but they so identify with that voice. Yeah. How can they become disconnected from that voice? I think the simplest thing to do is just go get real quiet with yourself and, and just l sit and listen and try to, try to ask yourself who is listening. And if you can get the, the slightest separation, it's like an aha moment. Like, yeah. But you got to go and be willing to sit with yourself and be quiet and be like, what is that noise in my head? Who is that? That's amazing, man. So let me. So out of nowhere, you just realize that something, this voice is not my own. I mean, what brought you to that point? How you tell me about that? Well, that that was, I think, the process of getting sober. The the when God sent His two messengers in front of the liquor store, one of them was very spiritually advanced. Oh, okay. And, and he gave me the uh, the Joe Shaughnessy and David Brune. Thank you both, my friends. And uh, Joe's Joe's dead, but. They taught me a lot about this and, and, and helped me out, and I was willing to learn. Yeah, I think that's been my saving grace throughout life. Besides punctuality, is willingness to learn, like, and not not being afraid to learn things, new things. So, prior to that, what made you think that the voice in your head was you? I didn't even know. I didn't, I, you know, Jesse, I used to, my name, if you had met me prior to sobriety, was Hiroshima Nagasaki. If I'd introduced you, you'd been Mr. hey, what's up? And you got past the scowl and the, the head down low and the angry vibe, and you was like, put your hand out, I would have been like, I'm Hiroshima Nagasaki. What does I that was, mean? Well, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the two nukes, it was like, I'm nuclear, like, oh. like I was so angry. Oh, I see. There was no <laughs> self-reflection, it was just like, what has happened to me? Why am I on this ball with these lunatics? <laughs> That's amazing, man. You talk about depression and uh, mental illness, mm -hmm. and we have run out of time, and I'm so disappointed. Uh. But you were depressed at one time? Yeah, oh yeah. And, yeah. and you, you thought you were mentally ill? I suffer from depression, sure, yeah. In that state of mind, what is that like? Oh, it's just, it's, it's just a dark cloud, man. It's on a sunny day. It's just everything's wrong, you know. There's no way out. It's very, but it's very physical. I know if I eat a chocolate cake, I will be subject to a day of like depressive. It's very a lot of components that people aren't looking into their lives of, of what goes on with their body, with what the you know the nutrition and and once I got that under handle, I don't get as depressed as I used to. In that world of depression, is it worth it? In, well, you have never died physically. But it, is it worth the death itself, or is it death? It can be. I, I think it's very serious, and it's underplayed in our society. I do a podcast every Wednesday just to prevent suicide, like, like a, a live stream every Wednesday just because I know people are suffering out there. It's very serious, and I think yeah. it gets underplayed, and it gets prescribed away, and it doesn't solve the problem. It's, it's, it's a very spiritual problem. So is that because the light is not shining in the darkness within that person? Yeah, I I think that that's I think there's that's what the depression is is like where is where is the light? Yeah, and it's it, where do you look when you don't know how to look? Amazing, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's so true. 
Uh, are you uh, are you conservative, Republican, Democrat, liberal, or where do you stand with that? I'm all of the above. You all of those. Yes. Did you grow, vote for the Great White Hope? I, I voted for the Trojan Horse. I call him. And who is the Great White Hope? I don't know who the Great White Hope is, but I did. I did. Who is the Trojan Horse? Trump. You voted for Trump twice. That's the Great White Hope. Do you mean the greatest, greatest vaccine salesman the planet's ever seen? You think he sold that? I, I knew he was. I, the minute he started talking red flag laws, that's when I started being like, mm, no, thank you, dude. Do you regret voting for him? No, not one bit. Oh, oh God. No, I like, like I'm, not, I'm not against participating in the system, but I think the one thing that's really got us in trouble is we're not afraid to look in the mirror and be like, that's just a man. And that yeah. man has flaws, That's and right, we man. have to be able to critically analyze what he's done and hasn't done for us if we're ever planning on getting out of this. Would I vote for him again? Probably. Yeah. I remember when he first won, I told the people on my radio show, I said, look, I love this guy. This is the right guy for now, right? But keep that little space there between you and the president. So when you do see a flaw, you won't just turn on him completely. Because he is a human being, and you got to see flaw, but that doesn't mean he's not doing good for the country in so many other ways, right? But once you put him on a pedestal, then if you make one mistake, it's over. Well, I look at it as this is in 2016, we were all supposed to flood all of our local municipalities and take his leadership and apply our leadership we failed that we were like that guy's going to solve the problem right we were all supposed to show up when he opened the door and we didn't and then everyone's crying and going we got stolen no you robbed yourself because you didn't show up that's amazing you're absolutely right man yeah like i'm in it to win it jesse like i'm not backing down for nothing well i won't back down (laughs) i won't be turned around What's your impression of critical race theory? <laughs> I didn't even wrap my head around it as a dude. Look, like the critical race theory just totally overlooks like the genocide of the Plains Indian. I'm like, you can't have it both ways. You want to talk about the history of this country and making peace with it and overcoming the obstacle that is our history. You can't talk about the great emancipator at the same time the United States Congress was passing laws to, to genocide the Plains Indian and, and not talk about that. And this CRT stuff seems to be a mono thought about it. It's just one way. No, it's, it's just human beings. Yeah. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. Dude, there's slavery going on on this planet today, right now, and it's legal. Yeah. You know, well, why don't we free the, the current slaves on this planet instead of talking about where we where we, we, we own our past. Let's let's cherish it and use it as a, as a building block moving forward and not this propaganda thing. That's I'm amazing, I'm opposed man. to it 100%. Yeah. I grew up on a plantation in Alabama under the Jim Crow laws, right? And this idea of critical race is insane to me. I don't even know how anyone can have a real conversation because it's, it's just not real. It doesn't make any sense. It's nothing. It's divided. It doesn't, it doesn't overcome anything. It just creates more problems. Can I ask you a question? Yes. What, what do you feel about living in, like, what is essentially medical Jim Crow Los Angeles County as a black man? Like, like it's crazy. And when you say as a black man, what do you mean? Well, you just explain your history as, as and it comes with the narrative attached to but it. But it was amazing, though. Even though there were Jim Crow laws there, there was no, literally no discussion about it. It was about loving God with all your heart, soul, and might. It was about good versus evil, a spiritual battle. 
And at the time, black people had some sense. They don't have any now, but they had some then, right? And they knew that it wasn't about the color of the man. It was about the character of the person. Yeah. And so they knew there were bad people, there were good people, and they wanted us to treat all people the way we would like to be treated. This whole thing just came after the Civil Rights Movement, uh, where they got leaders. We had no leaders. God was our leader. As a kid, the okay. parents were the leader, and God was the leader, right? And it wasn't until the Civil Rights Movement that the blacks gave up God, and they put Jesse Jackson and uh, Louis Farrakhan and all those people as their leader, and they sold themselves to the government and just been down here ever since. The destruction of the family. Okay, that's a, that's a profound take on it. It's an understanding. Like, yes. And so now I don't, I don't, I'm not into the black thing. I'm into the right versus wrong thing. Me too. I'm into the character. I can care less about the black thing. But, but we live in a, we live in Los Angeles County, which is, man, like, like I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm a, like a, in certain establishments, I'm a second class citizen. And so is oh, Coach yeah. Daryl. If you saw the interview with Coach Daryl has been let go from the school board and from the, his athletic position in Santa Monica Unified School District, like that's insanity. This is why white people got to get over the fear of being called racist. They have been controlled by words. And if you don't overcome words, you will be destroyed. Oh, yeah. The words are the spellcasting device. It's yes. crazy town. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like, I, yeah, I agree. Amazing. So I got to put you on the hot seat. All right. I got to heat this up, folks. I got to okay. put them on the hot, hot seat. Hot seat and I need you to answer these questions as quickly as possible. Okay. Globalism or nationalism? Nationalism. Do you, do you smoke pot? No. What is love? Everything. What is a man? Me. Is the Illuminati real? I don't know. <laughs> is it ever okay to tell a woman she's fat? Never. In one word, describe Camilla Harris. <laughs> is, it, is it wrong to have sex before marriage? I think so. Should China pay reparations for the world, to the world for the Chinese virus? I don't know anymore. Is the earth flat? I call it a realm. Did you have fun? Absolutely, Jesse. <laughs> Thank you for coming, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Tell the folks how to get your podcast and whatever else you're doing out there. Just uh, Hamish Patterson Family Channel on YouTube. And if you go to my Instagram, it's uh, the Spoonbender Academy. <laughs> Amazing. With some underscores between each word. Right on. Thank you all. Thank you for coming again. And thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to ring the bell, uh, tweet, subscribe. Check out Patreon link there in the subscription to support us, our store, and everything that's available. Thank you so much, folks. I do appreciate it. Thank you, man. That was deep. Thank you, Jesse. That really was. Support For a white me. man, that was deep. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. Thank you, folks. Amazing. Next time on The Fallen State. We just decided one day, this is the woman I want to marry. Well, we were both getting into or developing a relationship with the Lord. We had that in common, and it was, I'm going to keep it real, it was something about her eyes, and it was just like, Aww. you know, <laughs> this is the one. Are you the head of your wife? Yes. We're just going to jump right in there. Does she obey you? <laughs>
<laughs> Depends on <laughs> Women and men are Hold created on, equal. Don't creep for him, mama. No, I was talking for me. Yes, you're my boy, but you've been, been the one who's been molesting the scriptures this whole Molesting the scriptures? Uh, what the? Uh, how when did, how did the, the man have a woman? No, 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 that's not uh -oh. When he took the rib out, gonna get came you. out of me. We'll be all right. Mama's going to knock we'll, you out. We'll, we'll make it. We'll make it. <laughs>